Fantastic. So good evening, everybody, and uh, a very warm welcome, as Duncan said. Um, it's great to have you all with us. Um, my name is Mark Simpson, and uh, this is my wife, Melissa, and uh, we are really delighted to be with you, and not just tonight, but on the journey that is, that is captivated in this kind of next eight or so weeks that we're going to be gathering. Um, we, are, we are really expectant for what God wants to do, and, and it's a privilege to come and be amongst you and get to know you, and, and our, our goal really is to, is to figuratively, maybe literally, but figuratively wash the feet of the men and women that's in this room and, and just really serve you, and our heart is for you to discover just who God is and who he says that you are, and, and our prayer is that you're going to come alive in Jesus. So really good to be with you. Um, as I said, my name is Mark, and I thought before we start tonight and really just kick off with the lecture, um, and then we're going to get into groups a little bit later. I, I just wanted to tell you just very briefly who we are, where we come from, and, and uh, what we're about and what we're going after, just so you can get to know a bit of our hearts. So I, uh, as I said, I've been married to, this is my wonderful wife, Mel. We've been married for 18 years. Hallelujah. And uh, we have four kids. So life is exciting and busy. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Cape Town boy, grew up in the southern suburbs, uh, went to school here and uh, went to UCT uh, quite a few years ago. And, um, and uh, we met at UCT and uh, part of the same church and just hungry and passionate about God and uh, finished our respective degrees and uh, went straight into kind of full-time ministry and have been involved in church leadership and ministry and so on for the last almost 20 years. And uh, praise God, more on fire for Jesus today than I was then, and excited about what he's doing in our lives and what we're seeing God do. Um, so yeah, we've been in kind of ministry and, and this kind of stuff for the last almost 20 years, and that involves a bit here in Cape Town, and then we led a church in Durban for a number of years. And, and in the last four, four or five years, we've actually spent in the UK and uh, been working there and working into various nations in Europe and in India and Australia and various places. And, uh, but about a year ago, we actually moved back as a family uh, to Cape Town, our home city, and it's really good to be here. Um, and we now lead a ministry uh, that's fairly new, actually. It's called Heaven's Call. And, and really, our passion is to, is to represent Jesus and his kingdom on the one hand, and on the other hand is to awaken a generation to walk with God and to be true followers of Jesus that would go and change the world. And so that's a lot about what this is about is to represent God to you, to you know, really talk to you about who Jesus is and what he's done for you and for me, and to say, what would it look like for us to, to rise up and be the men and women that God's called us to be and, and to be true followers of Jesus? Is anyone up for something like that? Sound good? Um, so Captivated as a course is, is a part of what we do, um, and that's what we're going to be going through over the next sort of um, eight or so weeks. And, and although it's a course, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's an expression and outworking of, of a lot of what God has done in my life over the last not just 20 years, but actually over the last few years. Um, I don't know if you've been through an experience like this before. I've been walking with, with the Lord for maybe close on 30 years and, and been doing this for the last almost 20. But the last few years for me have been like that dimmer switch has just been turned on to a level that I haven't had before. And, and so for me, I feel, like, I feel like I've gotten born again all over again. Has anyone had that before where you just, you know Jesus, but it's like something happens so deep in your heart and a fire begins to burn stronger than it's ever done before. And and so I, for a while, as I, I walked with God and been through some really interesting and exciting times, the word that really, really came to me that summarized a lot of my journey was this word captivated. And that I feel like I have been captivated by who he is. And I don't know if you know what that specifically means, but to be captivated is to, is to look at something and then not want to look away. It's to, be, it's to hold your gaze on something or someone. And, and I think that's what Jesus was like. When, when he walked the, the earth, I think people were captivated by him. 
They were so touched by who he is and what he was like and how he treated people that they just had to be around him. And I feel like that's when, when you meet him, that's what happens. It's not religion. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's, a, it's an encounter with God that, that words often don't do enough to describe the feeling and the emotion that you have because, because you've seen him. Have you experienced something like that before? You can wave, get excited, say amen, oh dear, glory to God, just do something. Make sure you're still there. Hallelujah, love you. Okay. And so, so, so a lot of this captivated journey for me came out of this, this, this season with God where he's done something really special in, in, in my life. And so we wanted to share a bit of that with you. So a few things up front. What is this journey of captivated all about? Um, as I've said before, for me, this... This that we're in tonight is more than a course. This is not a university degree. This is not come and get a bunch of knowledge. For me, this is all about encountering Him. It's about encountering the presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in worship. Tonight, as we worship, worship is not a warm-up for what we're going to do. Worship is why we're here. Amen? Because we want to meet Him. And it's encountering God in worship. It's encountering God in His Word. I don't know how you feel about your Bible, but the more I read my Bible, the more I go, this is so much more than just... You know, a bunch of letters on a page with, you know, front and back. It's, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the word of God is alive and it's active. And I find that when I, when I read my Bible and I apply it, it comes alive in me and it transforms me and my family and my surrounding. And we meet God in his word. We meet God in one another as we pray for each other and, and do life together. And so, so we're, we're hoping and praying that on this journey that you would encounter God. And yes, we're going to teach the word to you and we're going to worship. But, but at the end of the day, my prayer is that you would go from this place knowing I've met him. Amen. How many of you would like that? I, I want to meet him. I want to encounter him. I don't want just this to be what I do on a Sunday morning. I want, this, I want my life to count. I want my life to be in him. One of my favorite people in the Bible, haven't met him, but read about him, not much. His name was Enoch. Do you know about Enoch? Enoch, the Bible says, Enoch was a man who walked with God. That's pretty much all we know about him. And then the Bible says, and then one day, God was like, okay, enough, come home, Enoch. Like, and God just removed him. Can you imagine what his wife must have thought? Like, Enoch didn't come home from work that day. Or, like, what happened? You know? But here's a man who, who dared to walk so close with God, that it was like God was like, just come and be with me. Uh, and I hope that you won't disappear tonight. But, but can you imagine, you know, I, somebody once said to me, you are as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to God as you want to be. And, and I want more. I, I want more of him. I want to know him. I've, I've tasted and I've seen that he is good and I'm content, but I'm not satisfied. I want to know him. And my heart cries out for the world to know the good father that I know. I think most people don't come to God because they've got a, a wrong picture of him. Amen. And so we sang that tonight. He's a good, good father. And when you meet him, you can't keep quiet about him because you've got to give away what you've experienced. And so our, our prayer is that, is that you would encounter the father's love in the next few weeks, that you would be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, that you would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and Change the world in which you live, and, and you can do that. So what does the week look like, or the, week, or the, the night look like? Um, so we run over eight sessions, and I think, Duncan, am I correct in saying that we'll meet for, I think it's two sessions, then there's the, the first Tuesday of every month, it, it, we won't be meeting as captivated. There are other things that go on in the parish, and some of you might be involved in that. 
we have a break, you'll, you'll see on the timetable, and then we meet again and so on. But eight sessions that we do over this, this period. And, and I really want to invite you to, you know, if this is what you want to be a part of, I, I want to challenge you to commit wholeheartedly to what God wants to do and to this process and to walk the journey with us and, and see what, what God wants to do in, in your life. And so when we come together um, on a, what's today, Tuesday, Tuesday night, um, we'll come grab some coffee. We'll have a bit of worship together, which Tim and his team. So Tim and the guys lead a ministry called Sounds of the Nations. I've known Tim for, for, for many years, and, and, and Tim's an amazing friend and a great worship leader, and they're going to come and serve us each week. And, and I really encourage you to come on that Tuesday night and come and say, God, I'm not just going to sing songs. I'm going to come in and meet with you. I'm going to come in and counsel you, and, and you won't be disappointed. At the end of the worship time, we have a little bit of a teaching session. Um, then we have a, a coffee break or use the bathrooms. And, and then we, we take a moment around our tables, and we'd love you each week to sit around the table you are tonight and to build relationships with the people that are there, even if you don't know them, that's the whole point. And, um, and, and we will just have a few moments to, to sit and around our table, just share with us one another, what is, what is God saying to you? And, and we normally ask a couple of questions. One would be, you know, what have you just heard? Another would be, what did you feel God's saying to you? And, and then three would be, what, what are you going to do with what you've experienced? And so time of reflection, and then we come back, a bit of ministry time at the end, and then, and then we, we head off for the week. Um, so I, I want to encourage you as well um, to bring your Bible on a Tuesday night, as well as if you haven't already got one, could you get some sort of journal or something that you can write in? Um, and, and we've given you student notes. The whole point of that is so that you won't have to sit there and write everything that I say down because then I'm going to disconnect from you. That's a guideline of what we're going to speak on. You can add to that. But we want you to journal what you feel God is saying to you in this process. That might be on a Tuesday night, but we also want to encourage you during the week, as you go away from this place, let it not just be eight Tuesday nights. Let it be eight weeks or ten weeks or whatever it is of walking with God and saying, God, what do you want to do in my life? And I find that when I write down, I, I hear better. I don't know about you, but when I take time to actually say, what is he saying to me? And it becomes clearer. And so we'd love for you to, to do that on, on this journey. Um, over these eight sessions, there will be eight different topics that we will, will share with you. They go on a journey, and they're not just random topics. They, they put together one after the other on purpose. We're going to look at tonight what it is to be captivated by Jesus. Um, next week, we look at the love of the Father. We're going to look at the story of God, and, and we look at the kingdom of God. We're going to look at who am I or identity, uh, the will of God, being a disciple, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so some of what we're looking at might be new to you. Some of it you might say, yeah, I know, I know that. Remember, the goal is not just to fill your head with knowledge. The goal is to position your heart to encounter him through his word. And so come hungry for whatever it is that God wants to do in your life. So I want to open in prayer. I know we've prayed a few times already, but I want to just invite you tonight as we're about to go into this first session, just to come and present your, yourself before the Lord and come and say, God, I, I want to be captivated by you. I want to be ignited by you. I want to experience your presence. I want to give you permission as if we need to give God permission, but you know what I'm talking about. I give you permission to come and do what you want in my life. Amen? And so can you just close your eyes for a moment? And I want to just lead you into that place and, and just pray a prayer um, and, and just join with me in your heart with this prayer by just inviting Holy Spirit to come and do whatever he wants to do in our lives. So Heavenly Father, we honor 
your presence and your name tonight. We exalt you as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords. And we invite you to come. We welcome you. Tonight we bring you our lives and we surrender completely to you. We say yes to who you are and to what you have done for us. Would you teach us your ways? Would you ignite a fresh fire in our hearts? Would you awaken to us what it means to be a disciple? Would you transform us into the image of your son and enable us as your ambassadors to represent you well? We ask you to come and have your way in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Everyone still good? Are you smiling? Okay. I love a little bit of interaction. So feel free to smile. It's a, it's a good place. Okay. Say, woohoo, amen, or whatever you feel like saying. But let's have a good time. There's freedom in this place. Okay. There's no rules and regulations. The only one is have a good time. Okay. Is that cool? All right. So thank you so much. All right, so I want to begin tonight by, by sharing a story with you from the book of John. And for me, this story really summarizes a lot of what I see God doing, not just in my life, but in, in many lives as we get to share God with people, as my wife and I and others get to spend time in different people's lives, different churches and different nations. It's amazing. Different nations, different cultures, different people, same Holy Spirit. Yes? working in people's lives. And a few months back, maybe a bit longer than that, I, I read the story. I've, I've found in the last probably year and a half, for whatever reason, I felt God said to me, I want you to spend time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I don't know about you, I've read them, I don't know how many times in my life, but I felt like he said, I want you to just camp out in the Gospels. And I've done that for the last year and a half. And, and I felt it was because he wanted me to get a new lens of Jesus and how amazing he is. And I remember one day reading the story in the book of John chapter 11, and and I'm not going to read the whole story to you now for the sake of time, but, but you have homework this week, by the way. Your homework, don't panic, is could you read the story that I'm going to tell you about tonight, John 11, the story of Jesus and Lazarus. And as you read that in your quiet time, just allow the Holy Spirit to bring that word, that story to life in you. Anyway, I read the story, and I'll quickly tell you the story and, and share with you what I felt God was saying to me. But in this story, as you probably may have read it before, um, Jesus was, was ministering with his disciples in a particular place, and they got word that Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus, whose, whose Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. Remember, Mary was, was the one who just lavishly loved the Lord and broke perfume over him. And Anyway, they got word that Lazarus was sick and he was dying. So they obviously wanted Jesus to come because they knew if he would arrive, then, then, then you know, their brother would not would not be sick anymore, he would not die. But Jesus was not perturbed, he just kind of carried on ministering. It's like, Lord, don't you know what I'm going through? Have you been there before? When you're like, God, where are you? <laughs> I need you, I feel like you're silent. They must have felt that. And he carried on ministering, and I think it's about two days later, suddenly he turns to his disciples and he says, guys, we need to go wake up Lazarus. So the disciples say to him, but if he's sick and he's sleeping, why would you want to wake him up? That's a good thing. He says, no, 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 no. He, sorry guys, he's dead. And, and we're going to go and wake him up. So, so off they go, and they arrive back at, at Bethany, and Mary and Martha kind of come out, and they're in mourning, because Lazarus has been dead for four days already. And they're like, Jesus, why didn't you come? You're, you're our friend. If you had just come, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, I'm going to raise him up. And they say, yes, Lord, we know that you're going to raise him up one day at the time of resurrection. And the Lord says, no, now. That's the nature of the kingdom. Jesus says it's now, okay? 
And so he declares this and they go to the tomb and he asks the people to open up the door of the tomb or roll away the stone of the tomb. And Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus stands there having, having wept over his brother and shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And this man that has been dead for four days, this friend of Jesus who people have been mourning over, rises from the dead and he comes out of the tomb. But how many of you know, if you've read the story, you will know that he came out alive, but he was still wrapped with these, these grave clothes that were around him. So they would, they would bury a person, and they would, but they would wrap them with these grave clothes, and then they'll put them in a tomb. And so Lazarus comes out. Can you imagine him? He's alive, but he's like, he's like you know, he can't walk. He's, he's alive, but he's not moving. Yes? He's unable to be free. And Jesus turns to all the people there, the disciples, and he says, unravel this man, because I don't just want him alive, paraphrase version, but I want him free. I want him to live life, the life that I've raised him to live. And so I read the story, and I felt like God really just impressed a few things on my heart, and that's what I want to give to you tonight. And the first thing I saw in the story is, is number one, it was Jesus that woke Lazarus up. And I think, when I, when I think about this, I, I realize more and more Jesus did not come to the earth, friends, to simply make people better. He, he didn't come to make, you know, those who are born into a Christian household better Christians. Jesus came to waken the dead. Amen. He came to resurrect the dead. The Bible says that before we know him, we are dead in our sins. But he, while we were sinners, made us alive in Christ. And so he comes to Lazarus. He, he wakes him up. And the more... I looked at this, realizing this resurrection life that God is bringing. I don't know about you, but, but wherever I go, I'm finding people who don't know God, who are being awakened to the reality of Him, but also people who have been walking with God, some for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. They are being awakened to the beauty and the magnificence of who He is and what He's done for them. It's like they're coming alive. And I found, not that I, was, I once was dead, then I came alive, but... Even over these last years, it's like there's this resurrection life that God is pouring into myself and to many others around me. He's awakening the bride to who he is. And so as I was praying, I said, God, tell me about this, Lord. What is it that you're doing? I remembered this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays in the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, I think it's about 16, 17, 18, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus and he says, he says, God, I pray that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they would know you better. And then he says this, that the eyes of their hearts would be opened, that they would know three things, the hope to which they've been called, the glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And I looked at this and I felt like it was like he was praying for us. And I felt like the Lord said to me, it was as if he was saying into my heart, he was saying, I am awakening my people, my humanity to these three things. So I went into this prayer and I, I thought, what does this mean, Lord? That the eyes of their hearts might be opened, that they might know, number one, the hope to which they've been called. What, what is that? I think about this word calling. Do you, know, do you know that you're called? Do you know? Hello? Do you know that you're called? Do you know, do you know what you're called to? For me, calling used to be more about what I did. But as I walked more and more with the Lord, I realized that first and foremost, I'm not just called to do a bunch of stuff. I'm called to be a son. I'm called to Jesus. I'm called into relationship with God. That is the greatest privilege any of us can ever have, is that we are called 
to know him and to be known by him and to walk with him despite all our flaws. And so, so he, this, the sense of being called to him, he's awakening us to the magnificence of who he is. So what was it about Jesus who, you know, guys, when he walked the earth, people just wanted to be around him. There's this one story in the Gospels where Jesus feeds the 4,000, and he, he, I don't know if you read that story, but as he's about to feed them, he turns to the disciples and he says, I think we need to give these people something to eat because they've been with us for three days. They're probably hungry. Have you thought about that? These people followed him for three days. They were so captivated by his presence that they forgot to eat nine meals. Wow! If I say to you, we're going to fast tomorrow night, I don't know about you, but most of us are panicking. We're like, what? One meal? Are you nuts? You see, they were so taken by who he was that they were willing to be with him. They were desired to be with him. They prioritized his presence over their fleshly desires. Why? What was he like? Was it something that he said? Was it the way he treated people? Was it, was it the way he, he saw the potential in people? Was it the miracles he was doing? I don't know. But what I do know is when he walked the face of the earth, people wanted to be with him. Does that make sense to you? And I think there's a few reasons why that happened. I think whenever he was around, there was always an abundance of power. You know, not one person. I have not read one story in my Bible where someone came sick and they left sick. Or someone came demon-possessed and they left demons-possessed. When people met God, they didn't just hear good news. They experienced good news. The presence of God, the power of God flowed through Jesus and transformed people's lives. There was this abundance of power. But not just that, it was, it was something about the wisdom that he carried. You know, when Jesus spoke, people's lives were changed. There's this one story where, I don't know if you've read it, when, when all these kind of Pharisees and whatever, they, they, they were sent to go and arrest Jesus. And they went to arrest him and they came back to the Pharisees who had sent them. And they, didn't, they had not arrested Jesus. And they were like, why didn't you arrest him? Do you know what their response was? Have you heard him speak? <laughs> Serious? Because when they heard him speak, even though they might not have believed, something in their hearts came alive. You see, when you come to your word, your Bible, and the Holy Spirit brings that word to life, Something happens deep down inside and you go, you know, I might not understand it all, but my heart says yes. It was his power. It was his word. But it, I think people wanted to be with him because of the way he treated them. You know, I, you know what I love about Jesus? Is he doesn't treat you according to how you're currently performing, but according to your potential. You know, when he looks at you, he, he, he doesn't go, oh, Andrew did that wrong. Sorry, no blessing for you, Jason or Tim or... No. Do you know, when Jesus walked the earth, the world saw a tax collector, Jesus saw a disciple. The world saw a fisherman, Jesus saw a revivalist. The world saw somebody who had five marriages, a woman at the well, he saw somebody who would turn her city right side up. And that's what I love. I think that's why people wanted to be with him. Because there was something about the way he saw the gold in people. And, and, and that's what he's awakening the church to. He's awakening humanity to. That he is a good father. That he's kind. But going on in that prayer, Ephesians, the hope to which you've been called, then he says the glorious inheritance in the saints. What is inheritance? Anybody know? What's, what's an inheritance? Inheritance is something that you get for free based on someone else's life. You can't earn it. And Paul is praying that the church would know their inheritance. 
Our inheritance is Jesus, but not just that. It's what he did for us. You know, the amazing thing is that when he died on the cross and declared it is finished, not only is it possible for all of us to be forgiven, set free, redeemed, reconciled, but actually Jesus was declaring that the works of the enemy are defeated and the kingdom of God has come and your inheritance is not just that your sins are forgiven, but that you're invited to live in the kingdom and the reign of Christ on the earth. That's seriously good news. That's amazing. And I'm seeing more and more as we, as we get to spend time with people that I'm seeing that the invitation that God is offering to the world is not only for your sins to be forgiven, but for you to be repositioned into the heart of God to live with Jesus, like Jesus, and represent him on the earth. He said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. He wasn't joking. Everyone give me a smile. Okay. He wasn't joking. He was, I have come to give you a life that you couldn't even dream. I'm that good. There's this awakening to who he is, to what he's done. But then he goes on and he says, the incomparably great power for us to believe, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. See, when you gave your heart to Jesus, again, you didn't just get forgiven. You became a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes, have you noticed when we pray, we often pray or worship like God is somewhere else? Have you done that before? Oh, Lord, I don't know why we, we think he's up there somewhere. He is, but he's not. Where, where is God right now? God is right here in this place, and not just in the atmosphere somewhere, woo cookie wookie weird thing. No, no, God lives in me, and God lives in you. And when the Spirit of God takes up residence in your heart, you know what happens? Two things happen. Number one, you begin to change. You begin to take on the nature of the Father. The Holy Spirit begins to live inside of you. Galatians 5 speaks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Your character begins to change because His character is inside you and you start to look different. Did any of you give your life to Jesus or begin to walk with Him and people said, what has happened to you? Has that happened to anybody? Nobody. Oh, Jesus. Anybody? You, you can put up your hand. It's okay. Did it, has anyone noticed a difference? That wasn't because you kind of read a book that said five steps to a better life. No, that was because the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life and he's starting to transform you that you'd look more like him. You see, your destiny is not just to do stuff, it's to be Christ-like. So the Holy Spirit changes you. But you know what else he does? The Holy Spirit starts to flow through your life. And not just does the fruit of the Spirit become evident, but the, the gifts of the Spirit become evident. And so God comes to live in you, and what he does is he's enabling you and I to not just live with him, or not just live for him, but to live like him. Have you read John 14? Jesus says, greater works than these will you do. What was he talking about? All the miracles that he'd been doing, he turned to the disciples, and he turns to you, and he turns to me, and he says, greater works than these will you do. And we go, no, he didn't really mean that. Come on, guys. Are you joking? No, he did. Absolutely. He absolutely meant that. So I said to you a moment ago, you're as close to God as you want to be, but also you can be used by God to the degree that you want to be. And so Jesus' life is not just my Lord and Savior, which is amazing. It's an example of what's possible for someone who lives dependent upon the Father. So within eight weeks, my prayer is that you are guarded this place with some serious spiritual muscles. Okay, That you guarded this place going... Oh my goodness, I have suddenly discovered not just who he is, but who I am. And I begin to walk like Jesus walked on the earth. So God is 
awakening the church. Okay? Does that make sense to anybody tonight? Okay. But then the story goes on, and in the story, he's awakened Lazarus, but then he's untied Lazarus from the grave clothes that bound him. And I remember as I read this, this aspect, or as I read this part of the story, I, I don't know if you can just look at me for a minute. I don't know if you can just imagine this man who's been, who's been tied up with these linen cloths around his body. And, and in my imagination, I, can, you, can you go there for me? Just go in the story. Can you imagine? I don't think they had a bunch of scissors and started cutting them off. I think they just, they probably started to unravel him. Do you think that's fair? I think they started to unravel him. And little bit by little bit, it probably, he, he got more and more free. And, and the stuff that bound him was no longer there. And, and this man who'd been dead for four days was no longer just alive. But there was freedom and there was movement that started to come into his body. And he was like, whoa, I'm alive. Isn't it incredible? And he's going to go live his life again. And I, I read the story and I felt like God said to me, Mark, this is the second thing I'm doing in the church. I'm not just awakening the church. I'm untying the church. I'm untying. I'm unraveling. I'm setting free. You see, when, when God raised up the people, the children of Israel, and they were in bondage in Egypt, yes, for how many years? They were, they were slaves, weren't they? they? They were slave drivers who were whipping them, who were beating them. And they began to cry out to the Lord, yes, for deliverance. So what did God do? God raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses. And God encountered him and sent him back to Egypt, the place that he'd grown up in. And Moses went back with with a mandate. And the mandate was number one, to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, but number two, to reposition them into the promised land. And God said to him, when you go to Pharaoh, what should I say, Lord? When you go to him, tell him this, let my people go, but he didn't stop there, did he? What did he say? Do you know? Let my people go, that? That they may worship me. You see, God's plan was not only to deliver them, God's plan was to release them or reposition them into abundance. And so as I looked at the story and this, the sense of being unraveled, I felt like the Lord was speaking into my heart, saying, Mark, I am, I'm unraveling you, I'm unraveling people, I'm untying people, number one, from certain things. So he, he delivered them from Egypt, from the slavery of Egypt. And as I, as I spend time with people, this is what we see, is that God is untying people from things like sin, from things like shame, from things like religion. You know, you know what religion stinks? Religion, you, know, you know what religion is? Religion is man's efforts to make himself approved of before God. And you know what God says? Why are you doing that? Because I've done it all. I've come to bring freedom to you. I've come to bring life to you. I've come to awaken you to the fullness of life that I have planned for you to live in. And so he's awakening us from, from, from sin and from shame and from religion and, and the dead traditions of man. And more and more, here's the one that I see the most common. Do you know what, know what it is? He's setting people free from fear. Man, I tell you, almost every time, Duncan, that I spend time with a group like this, at least 75% of the people would tell me, you know, if they're courageous enough, fear has gripped my heart. And you know what? Fear is, is not of God, it's of the enemy. And it paralyzes people, and it cripples people, and it stops people from being free. And I know, not just because I see it, because I've walked that journey myself. And one, one of the ploys of the enemy that had always been against me was to stop me from doing what God called me to do by putting fear into my life. I'll just be transparent with you. 
And I've been on a journey and God has gloriously, you can ask my wife, set me free in the most amazing way. Where yes, I have to be you know, aware sometimes that the enemy wants to come in, but I don't care anymore. I mean, I care what people think, but, I, but I'm like, you know what? I know my God, and I know who he says I am, and I'm going to get on and live my life in such a way that I'm going to make impact. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Does that make sense to you? No, we, we live to honor people. But at the end of the day, I'm tired of being dictated to by something or someone else when, when God's called me to be free. And so I want to see you set free. I want to see you untied. So God is unraveling. He's untying. He's setting people free from a bunch of stuff, but not just from a bunch of stuff. He's setting you free because he has purpose for your life. Did you know that? God has purpose for your life. So in my Bible time, as I continue to read, I I came across that story again I'd read many times before. Do you remember when Jesus sent his disciples into one of the villages? It was just before he was going to go into Jerusalem. And he said, go into the city, and when you get to the village, you will find two donkeys. Do you remember that story? A donkey and her colt. And he says, go, and, and if someone asks you what's going on, just say, my master needs him. And he says this, untie the donkey. And these donkeys come, and what happened to Mr. Eeyore? Do you remember? Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem before he died on the cross, didn't he? As I read that story, I felt like God was saying to me, and saying to us, Not only am I setting you free from a bunch of stuff, I'm setting you free because I have purpose. And my purpose for your life is that I would rest upon you. Wow. You see, here's God's plan. Do you want to know what, like, what's God's will for my life? Does anybody know what, want to know what God's will for your life is? No one. Lord have mercy. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Okay, here's what God's will for your life is. God's will for your life is that, number one, you'd know him. Okay? Number two, that you'd walk in freedom. I mean, I'm summarizing. Just a few points. Okay? But that God, God's passion is that you would know him, that you would make him known, that you would learn how to do life with him, that you would carry his presence wherever you go. You see, I think sometimes we major on minors. What I mean by that is we major on, oh my goodness, must I be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher? I don't know. What do you like doing? Pick one, do it with all your heart and bring the kingdom to wherever you go. Okay, now, yeah, it's, it's more than that, I know. Okay. But, but at the end of the day, we're like, we're like, oh, Jesus, give me a sign. He's like, well, what do you like to do? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? Okay, cool. As long as it's not like against my will, yeah, that's cool. Okay. But here's the will of God. The will of God is that the kingdom of God would be in you and flow through you wherever you go. So responding to God's call doesn't mean you have to come and stand behind a pulpit to be a church leader. Believe me, we don't need more of those. We need more people who would understand that they are a missionary to all areas of life and society. That's what Duncan was saying tonight. So at the end of the day, my prayer for you is that you would be awakened to his love. You'd be transformed by the gospel. You would discover who you are. And then you would go, okay, cool. Where am I right now? Maybe I'm at university. I'm in a family. I do this work. I do. Awesome. Now here's the plan. Carry his presence into that space and see the kingdom of God come in you, through you, and transform the world in which you live. Lead people to Christ, bring the kingdom, change the world, and then one day when you're really tired, go be with him in heaven like Enoch did. Make sense? Okay? It's really not complicated. It's so simple, isn't it? Eh? Cool, you can all go home now because you've now worked it all out. No, please don't go home. So, so that's what he's doing. He's untying you from things, but he's untying you and I to do a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to bring this to a close now in a moment. You know, when a 
preacher says that they're never really telling the truth. But I'm going to try. So here's what I'm seeing. Awakening and tying. Why? Because God is raising an army. Romans 8 says, All of creation waits with eager expectation for the children of God to arise. Shall I say that again? All of creation waits with eager expectation for the children, the sons and the daughters of God to, what? To arise. The Bible says in that passage that creation is groaning. Do you know, I don't know about you, but I look around today. Don't you think so? Creation's groaning. Don't you think our nation is groaning? The nations of the world are groaning. There's this tension. Why? Because it says... When Adam and Eve fell, not only was their relationship with God affected, but the whole planet was affected. And it it says in that passage that it was as if creation came under the bondage of of the enemy. But then it says, but all of creation is waiting with eager expectation for what? Give me the answer, please. For what? For what? For what? For Jesus to come and do some cool things. No? For what? Okay, for the children of God, who is a child of God in this place? Anybody? Okay, if you don't put up your hand now, I'm going to do an altar call and ask you to get saved. All right, who's a child of God? Put up your hand. Yeah? All of creation is waiting for you to arise. So I, I often say, God, you know, Lord, it would be a whole lot simpler if you just kind of did your thing, saved the planet. Because, like, I make mistakes. Do you, I know you're almost probably all perfect and glory to God and whatever. But, you know, like, if you just bypassed me and did your thing, we could wrap this whole thing up a whole lot quicker. Everyone could get saved. The whole world could be changed. Like, new heaven, new earth, we can just go back to plan A. And he goes, no. Why? Oh, son, I'd love to do it with you. You see, God delights in not just loving you. He loves to share with you what he feels when someone comes to know him. And for whatever reason, God has decided that his plan of redeeming the planet will not happen without us involved. That is wonderful and terrifying. Do you agree? And it seems to me to be that God has almost chosen to limit his workings and presence to our obedience. Now you might say, whoa, where are you going? I'm not saying entirely, but it seems to me to be, yes, God moves powerfully without us, but yet he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says that we are the ambassadors, yes, of Christ, as if God was making his appeal to the world through, through us. Romans says, how will they know unless someone preaches? How will they hear unless someone is sent? So can I tell you your identity, part of your identity? You are a sent one. God is raising you up, Duncan said at the beginning, to be missional, to be disciples, to get out there and go change the world. And God says, I can't wait for you to arise that I could flow in you and I could flow through you. Do you know, for me personally, I would tell you that there's many joys in my life. One is, hey, my amazing family, spending time with God. But can I tell you, for me, nothing beats, not nothing beats, but... There's a whole bunch of things. Almost nothing beats the joy of seeing someone who doesn't know God come to know Him. To see someone who's bound get set free. To see someone who is full of fear come into faith. 
For so, to see someone who is, who is sick and has been prayed for so many times, just one moment, suddenly, why is it different? I haven't got a clue, but they get healed. Do you know to be a co-laborer with Christ, to be an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ, to do life with Jesus and see people's eyes open, their hearts come alive. Man, I get home and I just go, oh yes, it was worth it. Because one person's life was changed. Okay, So I want to invite you, not just into his presence, I want to invite you into your identity. And I want to invite you into your purpose. And I want to invite you to come alive to all that God has said that you are. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm going to close this session by telling you a story. Okay. This might freak you out. Everyone okay? Just fasten your seatbelts. Okay. So, and this speaks for me of what, what I feel God's doing. And I'm, I'm, we're going to pray on the back end of this. I think I might have told you this about this, Duncan. I can't remember. But So about maybe five, six months ago, I, I, was, I was in the UK. And I was going to spend some time in a few churches there. And then we went over to Germany. And Andrew was with me. And, and we had a great time. And, and the one morning, I, I woke up and I was going to speak at a church in the evening or just a gathering. And so I picked up my guitar. And I thought, oh, I'll just have some time. And I'll just worship the Lord. And I and, uh, just love to do that. And just, just started you know, singing and worshiping. And, and as my eyes were closed, as I began to sing, I don't know if you've had this before, but I had a, a, like a really clear picture just appear, in, not, not with my natural eyes, but in my heart. And what I saw, and it was, it was so clear to me, I saw a man walk into the room, and he stood at the back left corner of, of the room. And I could see him just with my that sense of imagination. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and I looked at this man in with my imagination, and, I, and what I could see was it was like my question, he, my question would have been to him, where's your army? That was the, the sense that I had of him, this authority, this strength, this power. And he just stood there in the corner, and I just, I, it, it impressed on my heart that I should ask God, Lord, who is this person? So I said, God, who is this? And immediately, I just, what came into my mind was, was this is the angel that was with Joshua when they went into the promised land. I was like, whoa, okay, this is weird. Okay, people think, think I'm mad. So I'm like, is that even in the Bible, Lord? You know, so, so I'm like, it better be. And, and so, and I felt like God said to me, I want you to start to declare a repositioning of people and churches into what I have for them. I was like, wow. So I was quite like overwhelmed by this. And I thought, well, let me, I've got to make sure this is in the Bible, otherwise I'm talking a bunch of nonsense. So I went and I opened my Bible and I went and I read the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 5. They've just been through the, the, the Jordan River. They're coming towards Jericho. There's a moment of, of you know, circumcision and separation unto the Lord. And Joshua is going to look at the city of Jericho. And the Bible tells us that he looked up and he saw a man whose sword was drawn. And, God, and Joshua said to him, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Do you, have you read, anyone read that story? And, and the, the man who we then discover is an angel, in fact the angel of the Lord, says, neither I am the captain of the Lord's army, and I have now come. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So for the next few weeks, as we travel and minister in various places, I told this story. Andy is my witness. He was there. and We were in a church in Germany and um, spent some time there, and, and, and we ministered and did this stuff, and, and I shared this. Well, I tell you, the presence of God came. People were set free like you wouldn't believe. One guy who had cancerous tumors in his, in his wrist, went the next day after we prayed for him to the hospital. They did scans, and the doctor said, 
I don't know what you're talking about. You don't have any tumors. He's like, no, I do. He's like, no, you don't. So he's arguing with the doctor. The doctor is telling him he, he, he doesn't have what he said he had. God healed him. God set him free. We saw this, this awakening in people's hearts as we just declared this. Now, I don't know if that story freaks you out because it freaks me out. All right? So we're in the same boat. But I just sense to share that with you tonight, not because of the story, but because of the story of Joshua going with a bunch of people, a whole nation, from the desert into the promised land, from, from, from death to life, from darkness to light. And I, I just want to, I want to pray for us tonight as we conclude this session. Because I feel like in my heart that there are people here tonight, you're crying out, not just for an encounter with God, but you're crying out for Him to position you into His plan for your life. Does anybody feel like that tonight? You want to feel, you know, God, yeah, I, man, I want you, Lord, but, I, but not just, I, I want to, I don't want to just go through the motions of life. Okay, I'm, you know, if that's Christianity, sorry, I'm not in. Because I want to, I want to live wholeheartedly for God. I want to, I want to make, make my life count. Do you want to make your life count? It's the only way to live. You know, just to go through life, pay the bills, which are far too high anyway, and then, and then just like do a few nice things and say hi to a few people and then kind of die and go to heaven. I don't think that's why Jesus came. I really don't. Okay. I think he came to give me abundant life. And you know what I'm going to do? Even if I make a bunch of mistakes and if I get on the water and I sink a few times, I don't care. But why not give life everything with God and see him do great things in your life and great things through your life? So he's raising an army. Here's my question, and I promise you I'm going to stop now. My question is this. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? You see, he's done it all. He's done it all. There's nothing you can do. He's done it all on the cross. His grace is sufficient for you. When he said it is finished, he was not joking. He did it all. But here's the thing I've learned. Is that grace is free, but it requires everything of you. And so there's this marriage between grace and faith. Where he goes, here's it all. Do you want it? So my charge to you tonight is, is to stop for a moment and say, God, maybe you're calling me. Lord, maybe you have more for me. There's this invitation, like Ruth had with Naomi. Remember Naomi said, you can go back? And Ruth said, ah, forget it. Where you go, I go. Your God will be my God. She made a decision, I'm all in. So I'm going to ask us tonight, and I'm going to ask Tim to come and join me, wherever you are, Tim, and just grab your guitar for a moment. But I would love tonight to give people an opportunity, not to come down to the front and get on your knees or do a dance or join a church or anything. I don't care about no, What I care about is this. I believe that the Holy Spirit brought you here tonight. And I believe that God is doing business here tonight. And I believe the Holy Spirit is moving here tonight. And you know what? There are moments that we have when, when the presence of God comes into a room, when, when the word of God is spoken. I think there are moments in our lives that are defining moments. There's a, there's a fancy Greek word that we use for time. It's the word kairos. Which, it, it, it's, it's an appointed time. It's a moment. And I feel like tonight, and, and I'm going to declare this because I feel it's so strong in my heart, I feel like tonight is one of those nights. When, when we stand before God, you see the question that Joshua and the angel had, are you for us or are you, are you against us? He said neither. Here's, here's the real question. Not angel, are you for me? The real question is, am I for him? That's the question. And you know, tonight, for me personally, 
I'm standing right now as the first one in this room going, I'm all in, Lord. I want to make a fresh declaration of my, of my allegiance to you, of my desire to walk with you. And you know what? When your yes meets his yes, <laughs> amazing things start to happen. So tonight, as, as Tim maybe leads us in a song, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to stand to your feet, can we all come?